Amen. Again, I'm glad you're here. Glad you made the effort to be here tonight. Uh, we're going to continue our Bible study we've been going through for several weeks, how-tos on the highway to heaven. We missed last week. We had a gap for spring breaks. So let me give you a very uh, quick review, really, of the premise of, of what we're doing in our Bible study. Uh, it all starts with the basic truth that God is the creator of all things. God is the creator of all things because he is he holds the wisdom behind all things. Now, think about that for a second. Because he creates everything, he knows why it was created. He knows the purpose it was created for. He knows how it best works. And so, as the creator of all things, he has the wisdom behind all things. Then the next truth is, this is his word. The word of God, our Bible, this is his speech. This is actually his word. And so it just follows to have his wisdom, uh, to gain his wisdom, and that's really what this is all about. We want to have godly wisdom. We want to possess and operate according to godly wisdom. Well, to have his wisdom, to gain his wisdom, we go to his word. And that's, that's really the basis for our Bible study. In all areas, if we want his wisdom, if we want to gain his wisdom, if our plans are to operate according to his wisdom, we go to his word. As believers, this is our truth. This is our standard. This is our plumb line. This is our yardstick. And so unashamedly, unapologetically, as believers, we go to the word of God. Now, we're losing that. We think, well, uh, the word of God has told me how to be saved, but for these things, I need to consult someone else or some other source, or some expert. Well, as believers, this is our standard. This is the truth. And so we go unashamedly to the Word of God. Now, let me just tell you, the world says that is dumb. The world says that is ignorant. The world says that is superstitious. But then I would ask this question, well, how is the world's way working? And man, look at our world, 2021 all the education, all the, all the stuff, we've, the facts, the knowledge that we've accumulated, and yet look at the condition of our world today. How then is the world's way working? Now, I said this, and I've said it almost every single week. If you're happy with normal, if you're content with normal, if you're wanting to just keep on with normal, then I would tell you just keep on with normal, uh, and this Bible study is actually not for you. Um, I was talking to somebody earlier today, and, and we were talking about the fact that the Bible says we are to be a peculiar people. That's actually what the Bible says, a peculiar people. That's what we are as believers. Uh, that translates, I'll just tell you, uh, weird. We're to be weird. We're to be strange. We're to be abnormal, a peculiar people. Well, we're letting God's Word be our guide in that. Now, let me, let me tell you the good news, and I, I want to be sure and say this frequently. Here's what turning to the Word of God will provide. Turning to the Word of God, operating according to the Word of God, will provide for us peace. It will provide for us confidence. It will provide for us boldness. It will give us protection and safety. It is actually the best way to live. It will result in joy. How many folks are going through life saying, oh, this is drudgery, this is tough. If you will live according to the precepts, the teaching, the guiding of the Word of God, you will have joy in your life. It will give you direction in your life. 
How many times do we say, if I just knew the next step, if I just knew where to go from here, if I could just get a handle on what we should do now? Well, the Bible says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. We're going to get direction from the word of God. All right, so all of these topics, and that's what we've been doing, just looking at these subjects according to the word of God, our Bible. Tonight, our topic is loneliness. Loneliness. Now, that, that is a strange topic tonight. I think about last time we met, we talked about depression uh, and, and how big that is. And then now we talk about uh, loneliness. And we might be tempted to think it's not that big of a deal. Or we might begin to think, well, it's, it's, a, it's a thing that lots of people experience, but its impact really is not that great. Well, tonight I want you to see uh, that it actually is a big deal and it actually has the potential to bear great impact in our lives. It has the impact to do great damage in our lives. And so tonight, we're going to go to the Word of God, and we're going to look at the topic of loneliness. Now, let me, let me just go and just lay the, the, the groundwork, the, 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 the foundation out. We'll start with some terms. Loneliness is defined... And let me just tell you, this first definition I take offense at, uh, it offends me how they defined it. It is defined as sadness because one has no friends or company. And that's what it's defined as. Somebody has no friends or company, and they have sadness because of that. I take offense at that. Another definition is sadness. Now, I'll go with this one. Caused by social isolation. Sadness caused by social isolation. That may be a better way of saying that you have no friends. Um, social isolation. Now, let me just tell you this. Loneliness is not the same thing as solitude. It's not being by yourself. or It's not being in a state of being alone. It's not solitude. Um, that could be a good thing. In fact, there's folks that like solitude, that seek out solitude. Christ, we see, would retreat into times of solitude. And so being by yourself, uh, being isolated away from others, it's not the same thing as loneliness. You can be in a crowd, you can have folks all around you and be lonely. And that's the truth. And so solitude is not the same thing as loneliness. Now let me say this, and I want to be very clear in this as well. It is not a sin. Loneliness is not a sin. Uh, be, be very sure of that. It is normal. and I, It is normal. It is an emotional response that is normal to human beings, that is, that is common to human beings. So understand, it is not a sin. Uh, it by itself is not a, a terrible bad thing. It is a normal emotional response of human beings. However, here's, here's the danger it can lead to sin in how we choose to deal with it. It can lead to sin if we let it control our lives. Here's the reality, and I, and I, I think looking at it, this, this holds true. The desire to not be lonely can lead people, can lead us to make sinful decisions, to make wrong decisions. And so, you know what? I don't want to be by myself. I don't want to be isolated. 
I don't want to be on this island. And so it can draw us to make poor, sinful decisions. In fact, that is a lot of what peer pressure is. We do not want to be alone. We do not want to stand alone. And so it's not talking about I'm somewhere isolated. I'm in a a room of a bunch of people, but I don't want to stand alone. I don't want to be by myself. And so I make sinful decisions or have sinful responses as an attempt to not be lonely. And so it is not a sin. It is normal. It's an emotional condition all of us will experience, but how we deal with it can be sinful. All right, let's start off tonight with five causes of loneliness. Here's the topic. Well, let's understand why we might be lonely, why someone might feel lonely. First thing is this. The first cause of loneliness could be this, a strange or new surrounding. A strange or new surrounding. You could be new in town. You could go to a new school. You could go to a new town to a new school. You could go from the junior high to the high school. You could have a new job. Maybe you worked at Tyson for 20 years, and all of a sudden now you're somewhere else. It could be a new job. Any new setting can cause you to feel lonely. And so the first reason is a strange or new surrounding. This isn't where, I've, uh, where I'm used to being. I'm somewhere else, and this strange new surrounding has caused me to feel lonely. Another reason we might be lonely, would be our differences, our differences, which means very simply, you're not like those people around you. You're not like those around you. Now, I was trying to think about that this afternoon. There could be many reasons that you're not like the people around you. Could be your age. If you're 14 and you're with a bunch of 60-year-olds, you're different. And so you can feel lonely with a bunch of 60-year-olds. It could be your age. It could be your skin color. My skin color doesn't look like their skin color, and so I'm lonely. I feel separated off. Could be your wealth, your financial status, and that could go both ways. You could be with a bunch of folks that don't have much money, and somebody that has money may feel isolated, or the opposite. There could be a group of a lot of folks with money, and somebody that doesn't have much would feel isolated. Could be your stage of life. Maybe you're retired. Maybe you're having kids, starting a family. Looks like the whole room's trying to do that. (laughs) Maybe it's your education. Maybe your education level makes you different from other people. Here's one that I thought of this afternoon. Maybe it's because you're smarter or dumber than everybody else. And there's folks that they're just smart. They're so smart, they're weird. They're so smart, they don't fit here. And then there's some folks, they're so dumb, they're just dumb. They, they don't, I can't talk to you, you're too dumb. Maybe it's because you're smarter or dumber than everybody else. Maybe it's because you like barbecue or tacos and then you're smarter than everybody else. Maybe that's the reason you're different. You're not like other people. And you could be in a large crowd, you could be in a big school, you could be in, a, in whatever setting, but you're not like other people, so you do not fit in, and those differences could cause you to feel isolated. That's the second reason. Here's another reason, and we're going to talk a, a, a quite a bit more about this reason. Your convictions, your beliefs could cause you to, be, to feel lonely. What you hold as true, your moral setup or your moral scope uh, 
uh, could make you different from other folks. Uh, it could be that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. And we said, you're as followers of Christ, we're to be a strange people. We're to be a peculiar people. Well, your decision to follow Christ may separate you from everybody in your circle. It may separate you from the, the folks you used to run with. And so your conviction could isolate you and make you feel lonely. Again, we are supposed to be peculiar, strange, weird, not of this world, different mindset. Any of those reasons could cause you to separate off and produce loneliness in your life. Your conviction most likely will cause others to abandon you, to leave you and put you on an island and you could feel loneliness. Another reason, and a very common reason, is a loss, a death, a divorce, a separation. We are, we are people, I believe, that are social by nature. I believe the Bible says that. And so you've had a spouse for many years and they pass away. You had a child and they passed away. You had a, a parent that you spent a lot of time with, and they pass away. You had a, a great friend that you've gone through many roads of life with, and they pass away. When there is a loss, you can feel lonely. You can feel isolated because of that loss, and it can produce loneliness in your life. And the fifth reason is sin. Sin. Here's the reality about sin. Sin always separates. Sin always Separates. It separates us from God, and it also has the potential to separate us from people. And so you can be in a sinful state, and you feel isolated from God, or you could have sinned against people, and it has isolated you from people. And so maybe there's folks, maybe you know folks like that, and they have broken relationships with their family, uh, with their parents, with their brothers and sisters. Uh, maybe they've sinned against people. Maybe they're a racist. Uh, and their sin, their hatred, uh, has broken their relationships with folks. And so you know what? If you're, if you're mean and nasty to them, and you're mean and nasty to them, and you're mean and nasty to them, you know what? You may feel like you're by yourself after some time. Your sin could isolate you. And the exact same thing with God. When you sin against God, he can have no part of that, and you isolate yourself from God and you're distant from him. You're going to feel lonely, isolated from God. Sin can cause you to feel loneliness. Listen to these statistics. Recent statistics that I found, and it was weird because they're all kind of, you wonder what point or what day this was, but uh, recent statistics say that 61% of Americans um, believe that loneliness is a problem or issue in their life. 61% of Americans would say loneliness is an issue in my life. It is a problem in my life. It is something I am dealing with in my life. Now, that's not to say I was thinking, surely it's 100% that would say, I feel lonely. I think all of us feel lonely at times. But this is a person that would say loneliness is an issue and or a problem in my life. 61% of Americans would say that. The Scientific American, they did a survey, and they found this, and this is kind of strange to me, but this is what they found. And the younger the generation, the more they feel lonely. 
Now, man, I thought that was totally opposite. I, I thought an older generation that maybe has lost a spouse or lost kids or lost friends, but the younger the generation, the recent statistics say, the, the more lonely they feel, the lonelier they feel. 79% of generation X, Y, and Z, I don't know where the age breakdowns, X, Y, and Z, millennials, X, Y, Z, 79% would say that loneliness is a problem and an issue in their life. Not that they sometimes feel lonely, but it is actually a problem or an issue in their life. Now, that's hard for me to, to, to think about. Um, if, you're, if you're 14 years old, if you're 20 years old, if you're, if you're whatever, 17 years old, it seems in our day, you're connected to everybody. They know where you went. They know where you ate. They know who went there with you. Uh, we have phones that never leave our hands. You can be contacted at any time. Um, it seems like this ought to be the, the least lonely generation. I have friends. I have their pictures. I know what they're doing. And yet those are the generations that statistically say they are dealing with a problem in their life is the issue of loneliness. So we see it is normal. It is an emotional state of being isolated. We see there are some reasons for it. Some of them we bring upon ourselves. Some of them are things we walk through in the natural course of life. We see that it is not a sin but dealing with it improperly could lead us into sin. All right, so now we're going to go to our biblical answers. What is the answer for loneliness? What are the answers that would be God-honoring for the issue of loneliness? And, and, and it's basically just say it like this. So what do we do in this room about loneliness? What should we do about loneliness? What is the God-honoring answer? All right, we're going to see five things that we can do uh, to properly, in a God-honoring manner, deal with the subject, deal with the problem, the issue of loneliness in our life. All right, let, let's go through those. The first thing is this. The first answer is this, and, and I wrote it down this afternoon, and I thought, well, everybody's going to say, well, of course you're going to say that, but let me explain it. The first answer is this, trust God. Trust God. I, I don't know, I go through all the things we've talked about this whole Bible study and I think that could be the first answer to all things. Trust God, trust God. You have to trust that God is good. Do you believe God is good? Do you actually believe God is good? Well, here I am and I'm lonely and I don't understand this and I, man, the years went by and here I am in this spot. Do you trust God is good? Do you trust God is in control? Do you trust he's wise? Do you trust his plan is perfect? Do you trust his timing is perfect? Do you trust that he sees you in your lonely condition and knows about you in your lonely condition and cares about you in your lonely condition? Do you trust that he has a plan? Well, I don't know if he has a plan or not. This wouldn't be my plan if I were making plans. Do you trust that his plan is the best plan? The first thing we do when we come to this subject is just trust God. You know what? He is good. He is in control. He is faithful. He is kind to us. He is gracious to us. Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 and 6. I will not desert. I went and looked up those words. Desert means 
to just take off. I will, God says, I will not, he will not desert us. He will not just take off. He will not desert us. He will not leave us, is what the verse says, nor will he forsake us, betray us. And so here you are, and God has said this, he's not going to leave you, he's not going to run off on you, and he is not going to betray you. And, and then verse 6 says this, the Lord is my helper. That's what he says, the Lord is my helper. One of the great benefits of loneliness is that we would learn to trust God. I feel like I'm alone. I feel like I have nobody to turn to. I don't know that I can trust anybody. I don't know there's anybody to trust. And the, and the answer is this. In that process, we learn God is trustworthy. As we were just singing, God is faithful. His compassions are new every single morning. We trust God. Here's what I sum all that up as. Take him at his word. Didn't he say it? Didn't he say it? Take him at his word. Do you trust him? Take him at his word. All right, that's the first thing. Trust God. Second thing is this. Confess and deal with sin. Now, we saw that sin separates. The reason you're lonely may be sin. It may not be. But this is a good opportunity to survey your life, to look at the condition of your life, and to take care of sin, to deal with sin. Sometimes we go, well, you don't know how I was raised. Well, you don't know the environment I came from. Well, what other choices could I make? Well, you don't know what's happened to me. This is a good time to say, here's where I'm at, and this is my time to deal with sin. If your sin is against God, you confess it to God. God, I'm sorry I did this. God, I'm sorry I didn't take you at your word. God, I'm sorry I got so far away. God, I'm, I'm sorry I, I didn't trust and acted in disobedience. And you know what the Bible says? He is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. It is gone. It is dealt with. There is a clean slate with God. Sometimes the, 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 the thing of isolation is, of loneliness is, it would cause us to think about our relationship with God, to take care of our sin, and to have it put away, done with, as far as it's concerned with God. A second part of that, okay, if we've sinned against God, we're going to confess it to him. Then with people, if we have sinned against people, uh, your family, your cousin, your brothers and sisters, your neighbors, this is a spot for us to go and say, you know what, I sinned against you, and I lied about you, and I gossiped about you. Uh, I let your dog out, and it ran off. Whatever your sin is against, against people, I caused the problem, and I, I want to address it, and I want to ask your forgiveness, and I want to settle that right here. Let me tell you this. With God, with people, there will be no reconciliation, and there will be no unity until sin is dealt with. It's, it's like just kicking a can down the road, and it's still there. It's like just saying, I'll ignore it, but it's still there. Until you address your sin with God, until you address your sin with the people that you have hurt or injured, there's not going to be any reconciliation. They might start smiling at you again. They might be nice to you again, but I guarantee you they get in their car and go, mm, not, oh, man. There is no unity until sin is dealt with. All right, that's the second thing. Confess and deal with sin. The third thing is this. Your third answer is this. 
And it sounds a lot like the first answer, but it's not. So hear me out. Listen to it. Listen to how it unfolds. The, the third answer is this. Draw closer to God. Draw closer to God. I think this may be the biggest one. The first thing is trust God, but this, this one here is, is drawing closer to God. Hear his voice. Obey his voice. Now, I'm going to say something, and you're already sick of hearing it, but I'm going to say it anyway. That happens in one way, and that is time spent in God's word. And I'm, I'm talking, and, I, and for the youth, for the adults, for, for us that are busy, for, for, for folks that are retired and busy, uh, whatever, it is talking about crazy, inordinate amounts of time spent hearing from God in his word. To draw closer to God, you have to spend time in the word of God. If you are feeling lonely, whatever the reason, if you're feeling isolated, whatever the reason, your answer is to spend time in the word of God. Now, I want you to listen to me. I don't, we, we're not getting that. We're not getting that. People will come in three months and say, here's my problem. And I'll say, well, your answer's in the word of God. Here's, here's what's happened in the last four years. Here, the answer's in the word of God. We as Christians today, we want, I'm gonna be honest with you, we want a slogan. We want a slogan. If you'll give me a slogan, I want a slogan. God is good all the time. All the time, God is good. Let's go, ready, break. I want a slogan, let's fix it. I'm enough, I'm enough. You know what? My life's pitiful, my deal this, my relationships are bad, my finances are broke. I'm enough, let's go, another round, ready, break. We want a slogan to fix things. We want a song. Give us a song. Give us a, turn on the radio, hear the song, let's turn it off. Here we are, we're ready to go. We want a pill, give me a pill. I'll take the pill, I don't feel pain anymore. I don't even know what you're sad about, I already took two of them today. We're upping it on Monday. We want a quick fix. Fix it like that. I want a quick fix. We want a magic lightning bolt of an answer. You know what? I feel lonely and I feel bad, and I don't want to feel bad at 2 o'clock. I want a lightning bolt answer. I want a deliverer. God, you're the deliverer. Deliver me from loneliness. At 3 o'clock, I'm not going to be lonely anymore. In the name of Jesus, deliver me from loneliness. We want a deliverer like that. God, make me not lonely. I'm so lonely. Make me not lonely. Okay, you're not lonely. Ooh, guess what? We have to spend time in God's word. You gotta spend time in God's word. You're not gonna take a pill. You're not gonna get hit by a lightning bolt. You gotta spend time in God's word. You gotta hear what God says in his word. If I, if I go down, if I cash out, you listen, the last testimony I would tell you is this. The best thing you can do as a young person the best thing our kids can do over there, the best thing you can do at whatever age you are is time consistently spent in the word of God. I can't say that enough. The best thing you can do is inordinately spend time in the word of God. The best thing our kids can do, when I talk to Sarah on the phone, Sarah, the best thing you can do is inordinately spend large amounts of time in the word of God. I was thinking about this. I'm kind of weird. I think about weird things, but I was thinking about this. Remember when it was a big deal to launch 
spaceships to the moon or to orbit or whatever. It got for a while that it was, it just, we were just, on Tuesday, discovery went up. No one cared anymore. Um, but remember when it was a big deal? And on all the channels, all of a sudden, all of the channels, boom, 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 they all have the same thing. It's the launch. You ever watch that process? They start saying, two hours out, and there's smoke coming out of the side of it, and they say, fuel tank, something or another, radiator check, tires check, whatever. And then they walk them out there, and they say, T minus one hour and something or another, and, and the windshield wipers work, and they go talking. And then they put them in there, and they lock it in, and they say, Sergeant Bob, you're here, and blah, 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 and check, check, and, and unit bill, and, and auxiliary 7, 8, 9, 11, yes, check, and they go through that, and then it builds up, and everybody in America's watching, and it's, it's T minus 10, 9, 8, and then it launches, and we have liftoff, and then we have separation, and fuel tank number 7 has dropped off, and they're talking crazy, and blah, 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 and Roger the spaceman, and he's up there, and it's just constant and they're checking in, and they're giving reports, blah, 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 orbit number 77, and you go back at two in the morning if you have C-SPAN, and they're saying, rotation number seven on the 704, do it over two, and the guys in there, and they're talking, and they're talking, and they're talking, and they're reporting in, and they're getting updates, and your number three's gone bad, and they're talking about that, and they're in constant communication with mission control. Can you imagine this? Here's what I thought about today. They walk out, three guys get in that can, they shut the door, they don't say a word. It takes off and it goes. They don't say a word. Mission control, they turn the radio off. The thing launches somewhere, the fuel tanks fall off, it's going, don't hear a word. They feel things shaking, they see the sun go by, they see the earth go by, they're turning this way for a while. Don't hear a word. Four days. Seven days. Don't hear a word. Time for re-entry, the thing's shaking. We don't know. I don't know where we're at. Hadn't talked to anybody in 10 days. They're tossed around. They hear the things outside. They, they're on re-entry. They don't know. They start seeing sparks go by and the thing's shaking. Boom, it lands in the ocean. You know what would happen? I'll just tell you if it was me you'd lose your mind. I need someone to tell you the fuel tank fell off. You're on lap 74. You got 21 more to go. We're going to start re-entry in 30 minutes. Your seatbelt's a little loose. I need someone to tell me all those things. I would lose my mind 10 days if we didn't hear from Mission Control. I think, I almost did it on a plane one time. I think I'd try to get out of that thing. I got to get out of this thing. I don't know what's out here anyway. I would try to get out of this thing. Can you imagine how dumb we are? to get away from mission control, to have the voice of God telling us, this is why you're lonely. This is the answer for loneliness. Here's what depression looks like. Here's what God's gonna do and help you in. Here's how you're gonna find guidance in these hard parts of life. Can you imagine if we left and we turned off the radio and did not listen to mission control? The answer is this, draw close to God and the only way you do that is time spent consuming, reading, memorizing, hearing the word of God. Draw close to God. That's the third thing. Fourth thing is this, stand. Now this one's kind of odd, but here, here's, what I'm, here's what I'm talking about. 
There are times when you're going to be lonely because you're alone. There's going to be times you're alone. Stand. There's going to be times when everybody goes a different direction. Stand. There's going to be times when the world says, this is right, this is right, this is right, and you're isolated because of your differences or because of your convictions, and the truth is you're called to stand, especially if you're different, especially if it's your conviction that makes you different. Let me tell you tonight, do not get pulled into sin to avoid loneliness. Do not compromise and enter into sin to stay out of isolation, especially if you're different, especially if that difference is caused by your belief set, your convictions, do not sell out, do not compromise, do not bend in order that you would not have to stand alone. Stand, stand. Here's three ways for you to stand. It's that important. Let me give these to you as well. Stand. The first way is this. Ask God for the courage to stand. Do you know he'll answer that prayer? Ask God, God, give me the courage the boldness to stand, just like Moses, just like Joshua, just like Daniel, just like Joseph, just like Peter, just like Paul. God, give me the courage to stand. If everybody else goes the other direction, if I'm so isolated, I can't see up from down, give me the courage to stand. Help me stand in my high school. Help me stand in the circles I travel in. God, give me the courage to stand. Second thing is this, ask God for the courage to stand. The second thing is this, know the value of standing. Here's what we've lost today. We don't know the value of standing. We don't know why we would stand. We don't know if it's important to stand, and so we don't stand. You ever, you ever watch those deals when, when, when they go in a room and somebody stands up and then everybody else ends up standing up with them? Well, I don't know why I'd be different. We don't know the value of standing. We don't know why the purpose that we would make a bold stand. We have to know the value of standing. Let me tell you this. It matters. It matters. It matters to you. It matters to your heart. You can beat your heart all to pieces. It matters to your heart that you not compromise. It matters for your peace. If you're ever going to have peace, there's going to be times you're going to have to stand. It matters to others, especially as believers. It matters that, that they see the truth, that they hear the truth, that they see somebody not compromise, that they say, you know what, they do business differently. They speak with a different language. They're kind of folks. It matters to others that you would stand. It is not for nothing. Be sure what you're doing matters. Stand. See the value of standing. Our world has said, and I don't know when this started, but maybe the last 20 years, that there's value in getting along. There's value in tolerance. There's value in not offending anybody. And we need to start saying there is value in standing. There is value in standing. See the value of standing. And then the third spot is this. Ask God for the courage to stand. Second thing, know the value of standing Here's the, here's the best one of this part. Know the truth of standing. Know the truth of standing. Now, I hope you're ready for this. This is pretty awesome. The truth of standing is this. You're not alone. You see, Satan would have you say you're alone. 
the truth of standing is you are not alone. The Bible is full of people that have stood. Go read Hebrews chapter 11. It's a list of people that stood. We have the testimony, the witness of folks that stood. Not only that, I want you to hear this. Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 8, great verse. In Deuteronomy chapter 31 verse 8, Moses is passing off the leadership to Joshua. Joshua is going to be the leader. It is going to be a lonely spot. Moses was hated for that spot. It's going to be a lonely spot for Joshua. It is going to be a scary spot. It's going to be a terrifying spot. And so in the midst of that transfer of power, here's what he says. The Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. I want you to hear that again. The Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. I want to say that one more time in case we missed it. The Lord is the one who goes ahead of you. He will be with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. The truth of standing is this. You are not alone. You are not alone. The truth of standing is God is with you. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. We have the tradition of all these other folks, the testimony that they have stood. There's other folks standing as well. The truth of standing is you're not alone. Boy, it sure feels like we're alone. Boy, it sure feels like everybody's gone a different direction. God says, I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. You are not alone. That is the truth of standing. And that brings us to the last remedy, the last piece, the last thing. Fourth thing is to stand. There's a time to stand. Stand. The last piece is this, and it's just practical as all get out. Here it is this. Seek out Christian fellowship. Seek out Christian fellowship. One of those five reasons you're lonely. Maybe two or three of them have mixed and you're lonely. You feel isolated. Seek out Christian fellowship. Here's, here's the reality. God knew, God knows life is hard. God knows separation's hard. He knows death is hard. He knows standing for the truth is hard. He knows it's going to be tough to live as a follower of Jesus Christ, somebody that would stand against the world. He knows and he knew it would be lonely, so what does he do? We didn't do this. The committee didn't do this. He puts us together in a thing called the church. Do you know that? You make an individual decision for Jesus Christ, it puts you in a community, a collaborative unit called the church. God knew it was going to be lonely. He knew it was going to be hard. He knew you'd need encouragement. And so he puts us in the church. In the church, we have a people of like-minded folks. In the church, we have a family. In the church, we have encouragement. We have folks who say, you know what, I, I, I see that you've suffered a loss. Let me pray for you. Let me encourage you. Let me bring something over to your house. You know what, I see that things are tough for you. We fellowship together. We encourage each other. He puts us in the church. Here's what I'm going to tell you. We ought to make a bumper sticker and drive around and make everybody mad. If you get out of the fellowship of the church, you will pay. 
and you will suffer. I watch folks, and when I see them get out of the, the, the fellowship of the church, maybe we're busy, maybe we're going to the lake, maybe we got mad, maybe whatever. If I watch somebody get out of the fellowship of the church, they will crash and they will burn and they will suffer and they will pay. We have a blessing in the church. We have God's grace shown to us in the church. God's plan is for believers to stand together in the church. That's why he built it. We will take up his cause, lift up his name together as a family. You need the church. Separate from the church any length of time and you will suffer. We need like-minded people to be with in the church. Let me end with the last part of that. Seek out Christian fellowship. Get around believers. Call believers. Hang out with believers. Be at the activities of the church. Here's the last piece of that. If you are where you are, don't you think somebody else is there too? And I, I think the greatest thing that could come out of a time of loneliness to go is, you know what? There's some other folks that are missing their spouse. There's some other folks that are missing their friends. There's some other folks that their, their belief sets pushed them out of their family and they're isolated. You know what? Maybe they need somebody to go to Brahms with. Maybe they need somebody to come and go to church and sit together and then go to lunch with. Maybe they need somebody to ride them a car and to check on them. If you are where you are and it hurts, maybe you need to understand somebody else is there as well and it propels you, not for your sake alone, but for their sake, to seek out Christian fellowship. I'm gonna ask if you'll stand, please. Glad you're here. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Every Father, we come, and I'm, I'm thankful for your truth. I'm thankful for your word, and I just come tonight, and I pray for those in this room, a big chunk of them, if the statistics are right, that are dealing with loneliness. I pray, Lord, that they would learn and they would grow in their trust of you. You're not gonna leave them. I pray, Lord, that they would seek out Christian fellowship, and the church will be a blessing, a grace to them. I pray, Lord, that, that we would take care of our sin problem. Lord, I pray that if it's time to stand, though none go with us, that we would stand. And I pray that in every piece of that, every decision we make, every response that we have, that you'd be known and that you'd be glorified. Lord, I pray for our youth here tonight. Bless them, encourage them, help them to know that it's okay, that they're supposed to be a peculiar, weird, strange people. Help them to stand upon your word. Help them to encourage each other in it. Lord, I pray for the, for the kids that are meeting across the way. Let them stack the foundation. Let them lay the truth. Let it be laid to them tonight that there, there is a way that is pleasing to you that they would stand no matter what the peer pressure of a, of a, of a, of a, of a rotten world would lead them to do. And then I pray for, for us as adults in this room, help us, encourage us, and let us be faithful to you. Let us be faithful to your word and to your church. And I, I pray every bit of it, Lord, would bring glory to you. We love you, we praise you, we thank you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Glad you're here tonight. You're dismissed.